0: Good morning, I'm Koss. I'm one of the pastors here, I'm the teaching pastor here. We are in a new year, which means we're starting a new series, and if you recall last year, we went through the book of Revelation in like, what, five weeks, six weeks? Never are we going to do that again. We've been, we're like rushing through books, that's just torture for me, torture for you. Um, so what we're doing is we're slowing down big time. So for the next nine weeks, we'll includes this week, so eight weeks from now, I think. Uh, We're going to go through one verse. Yeah, one verse. Yeah, wow. And um, so the series is called 316 because we're going to go over John 316. Yeah, this is the most quoted verse in the world. It's the most famous verse in the world. If you've been to a football game, you probably saw somebody holding up John 316, which I don't know has anything to do with football, but we're going to find out if it is or not. So here's the verse. I'm going to show you the verse in case you haven't memorized it if you haven't, no worries, you're gonna have nine weeks to get used to this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Okay, so we're gonna break this down to nine parts. So like this week, we're gonna talk about God, like what is, who is God, right? Next week, we're gonna talk about love. What does it mean by love? Is it like a romantic kind of love? What kind of love are we talking about? He loved the world, like the earth, like the trees and the grass, or are we talking about the people who live on the earth? Like Right, there's a lot of ambiguity here. Like we take it for granted because we know the verse, but if you actually break it down and look at the original language, you're gonna discover, hey, this is like not as familiar as I thought it was. And that's exactly what we're trying to do: is make you unfamiliar with the verse that you're familiar with. Like, what is eternal life? I think eternal life is one of those uh, old Greek words that I think we misunderstand a lot. So today we're talking about God. And if you look at the verse, next slide, you'll see that God is mentioned three times. For God, whoever this God is, so loved the world that he, referring to God, gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, the God that we just talked about, will have, uh, uh, oh, shall not perish but have eternal life. Okay, so like I said, the New Testament, for you Bible nerds, was written in Greek. Okay. And the word God looks like this in the Greek, right here. Next slide, there we go. Looks like this and if you've been like if you pledged for, you know, a frat or a sorority, you probably know what these letters are. But this is the word what? Do you guys know? Theos. Theos is pronounced Theos. I know like Theos. Theos. Okay. Now, here's the weird thing about the New Testament. The New Testament is written in Greek, but the characters in the story are Jews. They're all Jewish. They all speak Hebrew. The reason the New Testament was written in Greek is because the big audience that they had spoke Greek. So they said, "Hey, The whole story took place in a Hebrew setting, but let's write it down in Greek. So whenever Jesus uses the word God and translated it as theos, he actually used this word instead. Who knows Hebrew? (laughs) Here's a hint. You read from over here this way. That's how you read Hebrew. Okay, this, if I say how it's pronounced, you'll probably know what it is. It's the word Elohim. Can I hear you say Elohim? Elohim, you're going to learn like three Hebrew words today. This is the first one Elohim. Now, why is it so important for us to study about the word God or the character of God? Why is it so important? I'll give you an example. A few years ago, I was speaking at a retreat, uh, a college retreat. And, uh, you know, this is, it was for UC San Diego. And I was invited to the mountains in the wintertime, it was there's snow up there. And I rarely do this where I go and speak at a place where I don't know anybody because it helps the speaker to know the audience before you speak to them. So, but you know, um, Val's cousin invited me so I couldn't say no and we were just married. So, and I'm like, okay, I guess I have to say yes. So I went up and um, I just assumed everybody there was Christian. And as I'm giving the talk, I had to do four sermons. After the first one, the student came up to me and this is what he told me. He said... Next slide. He said, next slide. Okay. I don't believe in God. Now, you could break this apart and think, like, do you don't believe in God? Like, like I don't, you know, like somebody believes in me, right? Like, oh, you don't trust him? Like, what do you mean by this, right? I could have been, done that, but I just decided to ask a question. I said, okay, so what do you mean by that? Like, what do you, can you expand on this? And I was like, I just finished speaking this message. And I thought it was pretty good. And you come back to me with, I don't believe in God. So can you tell me what you mean by this, right? And this, okay, okay. I didn't have a notepad and write down everything this person said. I put quotes around it, but this is just my summary of what I think this person said. This is what this person said. I said, I just can't believe in a God who kills innocent people, referring to the Old Testament, slaughters tribes, also Old Testament, condemns gay people, probably more present day. Next slide. He tells us to obey the president, pay our taxes so our our armies can't go steal the oil, and a wealth of other countries and imprison innocent people. And I was kind of taken aback, like, oh, okay. And then he continued. He said this, I refuse to believe in a God who creates human spirits to live forever, but then creates a place of pain, suffering, and torture for billions to live forever. Oh, like, wow, this person knows their stuff. Next part, he, he says, and then in light of all this, he calls himself good. If that is God, he sounds more like the devil. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> nice to meet you too, right? Um, and so I was thinking about this, and I'm like kind of nodding my head thinking, oh, yeah, this guy has a point. And so the words that came out of, my, out of my lips was this. Well, I don't believe in that God either. Now imagine John 3, 16, okay, where it goes like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, now, if this God is the God that this person just described, is it really good news? Like, if, you've been, if you were like the, the popular kid in high school, like, you know, you're the hot one or the stud or whatever they call it now, I don't know. Oh, you have Riz? Riz? Oh, Gen Z. Okay. Um, everyone's rolling their eyes. Okay. Um, if you've been the object of, being, of attraction, okay, if you hear somebody say, hey, dude, that that girl's been checking you out. I think think she really likes you. Now, the object of the person, the the, the source of the attraction, or the source of the person, okay, the person who has an attraction to you really matters. Like if it's somebody that you like back or if it's somebody that's really nice, that's good news, right? But if it's a person that's the jerk of of the class, the guy that's always throwing stuff at you and you know, the guy that's always bullying somebody, like if that's the person that has a crush on you, you're like, that's not good news. I actually want, right? So if you believe that God is this anti-science, anti-gay, anti-joy, a person who is always voting in one way and refuses to listen to the other side, and always women suppressing, if that's the version of God that you believe in, when I say, for God so loved the world he gave his only son, if that's the God you believe in, that's not really good news, is it? Because... It's only good news if God is a good God, right? If the evil God so loved the world that he gave up his only son, that sounds like a cruel thing, doesn't it? Right? So, what I'm talking about today is this, that the character of God really, really, really matters. It really, really matters, okay? So, for starters, we're gonna start with the words that we just went over, the two words, the Greek version, oh, next, the Greek version and the Hebrew version. God, theos, Elohim. I don't know if you guys know this, but theos or God or Elohim are generic terms. It is not the name of God. God is a category. I know a lot of us, and including myself, we pray to God, it's like, dear God. That's almost like God looking at us saying, dear person. It is a categorical thing. As a matter of fact, theos means God, like supreme power, God, right? But Elohim just means spiritual being, spiritual being. So if you go through the book of 1 Samuel, you'll see there is an angel that is referred to as Elohim. If you go through another part of like 1 Kings, you'll see that a person who is deceased is also referred to as Elohim. So Elohim does not mean God at all in the Hebrew. Elohim actually means spiritual being. An angel would be considered an Elohim. Okay, so who is this Elohim that we worship? Jesus said for Elohim, so love the world, right? So the first question is, which one are we talking about, Jesus? Jesus, are we talking about the Greek gods? Are we talking about the Mesopotamian gods? Are we talking about some Far East Asian god? Like, which god are we talking about? Please give me a name. So in our culture, right, we use names as a way to distinguish the person, right? If I said hey, human, and you're like, well, which human are we talking about? Well, um, we're talking about cots. and like, oh, okay, we know cots. But what if you have a common name? Like a few years ago, maybe like a decade or ago, we had four Pauls in this church. I don't know if you know that. We have four Pauls in this church. My son knows of two Pauls, and he's numbered them, Paul 1 and Paul 2. You're Paul 2, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, Paul 2 is always number 1. Okay has no pastor's spouse yeah okay okay <laughs> right but if, if if it was like a common name like john smith right so if i were to say this message is for john and, and there's like in, like okay well which john are we talking about we're talking about john smith okay that narrows it down by a little bit but which one are we talking about the one that lives in southern california that narrows it but still we don't know exactly who you're talking right so that's the same with elohim when you say elohim we don't know exactly which spiritual being we're talking about right so, in the Hebrew mind, because in the Hebrew world, uh, there weren't that many very... Today, you can have like a million names to name your baby, right? Like, oh, there's a million names. I'll pick that name for my child, right? Back then, the pool of names wasn't that big. It was actually pretty small. That's why there's like duplicate names in the Bible. Sometimes it'll be like, Jesus, have we heard that name before? Yeah, his name actually is Yeshua, which is Joshua. That's found in the book of Joshua. Okay, I'm rambling. Okay, let me go back. Okay, so this is what I'm trying to say. In the Hebrew mind... A name went a long way until you realize that it's not as specific as you want it to be. So what God did was, the way that the Bible is is written, is that they focused on a story or a genealogy to say exactly who we're talking about. That's why in the Bible you'll see a lot of things like, this guy's name is John, son of somebody, son of somebody, son of somebody, son of somebody, and it tells you exactly which lineage this person's a part of, okay? But when that doesn't work, they always use stories. So which cots are we talking about? Oh, the cots that, you know, he did this when he was five, and he did this, and then he did that when he graduated high school. He did this when college. Oh, that cots. So story was the differentiating factor to know which person we're talking about. In the same way, if you want to know who this God is, you have to listen to his story. So today we're going to look over one story in the book of Exodus. And this really works for us because the main character of this story, who is Moses, has no clue who this Elohim is. So we're kind of watching two, like, God and Moses on a first date almost. Like, they're trying to get to know each other. Well, God already knows everything about Moses. Moses doesn't really know him at all. So, so today as a practice, what we're going to do is we're going to look at this story together. And as we're looking at this story, we're going to pick up on some characteristics of who this God is. We're going to learn these things as Moses is learning them. Cool? All right, let's start. Exodus chapter three, uh, 2. And uh, context. Context. Israelites the people of God are imprisoned in Egypt okay and these people know from their ancestors that their God is in the business of fixing the broken things in this world okay so that's what they know and they've been in slavery for a long time and they just can't take it anymore the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God so they're like we we can't take it anymore God and we're crying out please help us please help us right Now, the word God right here is the word Elohim. So, which God? So, if you're reading this for the first time, you get to this word, and you're like, hmm, I wonder which God we're talking about here. Next verse. God, Elohim, heard their groaning and remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So, God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. So, what do we know about this Elohim so far? Well, it says that he hears prayers. So, this God listens to us when we cry out to him what else do we know it says that he was he remembered right he remembered the covenant meaning this god is loyal he t- they talk about three generations of people who served under god this elohim so that we, l- we learned that about this here too we also learned that he was concerned this god cares he cares about people who are hurt okay so this elohim whoever this god is We're learning these small nuggets of information about him, okay? Next part. Now Moses, and this is like a movie, you know, the people are crying, who's going to save us? Cut scene, next scene. There's a guy named Moses, right? So this is exactly what's happening. So Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Okay, so here's a character named Moses, and he's just doing his own thing. And then... Next verse, there was an angel of the Lord. Now, here it is. In your Bibles, if you see a capital L, capital O, capital R, and capital D, and you're like, why do they put all caps here? This, okay, this, oh, let me finish reading it and come back to this. Okay, so when the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush, the burning bush, Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Okay, so the word Lord here looks like this in the Hebrew. It's four letters, I know, that's a letter right there. Okay? And this is Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh. You don't have to remember, I'm not gonna test you on this. This, in the Hebrew, is commonly known as a the tetragrammaton, a tetragrammaton, okay? This means, well, the way we translate it is this, Yahweh. So, this is very important before we move on. I know you're like, my brain is already scrambling. Okay, at this point in the story, Us, the readers, know the name of this Elohim. Moses does not. We know more than Moses at this point in the story. We are the third party. We're listening to a narrator give us clues. Moses, the character of this story, has no clue who the name of this God is. This is very important. Are you guys following so far? Okay. So let's uh, continue the story. So Moses is like, I see a burning bush, and it's not going out. This is curious. I, I'm going to walk near this bush, and God's like, oh, Moses is coming." Okay, here we go. When the Lord, again Yahweh, we know his name now. Moses doesn't know. Saw that he had gone over to look. God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses, Yahweh seems to know his name, and Moses said, uh, "Here I am." You know, I, yes, that's my name. How did you know? Uh, right. Then he said, "I am the Elohim." Like I'm. spiritual being obviously you know it's a burning bush and doesn't go out so it's like this must be spiritual it's like i am the elohim of your father the elohim of abraham the elohim of isaac and the elohim of jacob so moses is for the first time this is the first time he's interacting with god you know he was a baby and a little in the river when he was but he doesn't remember that okay so as an adult he's experiencing this elohim for the first time and he's like I don't know anything about you. Who are you except that you're a burning bush? It's like, well, I was the Elohim of your ancestors. Your father, your grandfather, your great-great-grandfather, great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, they all had a relationship with me. So immediately, Moses is like, okay, this is one thing I know about this, this spiritual being is that he has been loyal to my family line. Cool, so he's learning one thing now, okay? Then Yahweh said... I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So Moses is making a mental list. Under the title Elohim, he's like, okay, so he is loyal to my ancestry and and to my people. He uh, he hears, uh, he's seen the, 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 the bad things that's happening around us. He heard them crying out for help, and he cares. He's concerned. So his list is getting longer. He's like, I'm getting to know you, right? So I, oh, next verse, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. Like, oh, so he also isn't this kind of spiritual being that just sits on a throne and watches everything happen. He actually comes down and gets his hands dirty. It's like, okay, wow, this is so different from the Elohims that I grew up in Egypt. And to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. It's like, and he also has the power to deliver us into something better than we have right now. So he's taking that mental note. This Elohim, oh my goodness, right? Let's continue the story. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So we have another thing on the list. This Elohim seems to care how people treat another group of people. They care. He cares about justice. He cares about People respecting one another. It's like, oh, that that goes to the list too, right? So we're learning a lot about this Elohim now. So Moses is like, I'm so glad. I hope you're powerful enough to do this. You know, this is big. So what are we what, what are you gonna do for us, God? What are you gonna do for us, Elohim? So he says this. So now, go. Moses is like, What? Go? What what? Go? Me? I thought you were gonna. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So on that list of things that he's learning about this Elohim for the first time, we're also adding that this God rarely works alone. He always partners, not always, I would say 99% of the time he partners with people to make things happen, make changes in this world. So by the way, if you're thinking, if your theology says that this God, I'm just gonna pray and then see what he does, it's like, no, that's not who this God is. The Bible teaches us that this God when you ask for something, he wants people to get involved and partner with them to make things happen. So he puts down the list. And now Moses is like, oh, I have to do something about this. So Moses' response, Moses said to God, who am I? Like, are you sure, me, really? Do you know who I am? you know who I was? I used to be a prince of Egypt. You want me to go in there and rescue the people that I used to oppress? oh, this is not going to go well, right? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? What, right? And by the way, you'll find that out later, but here's an interesting thing about this story. When God tells Moses to go back to Egypt, what do you think he was afraid of? You would think he's afraid of the Egyptian army, the Pharaoh, but if you read carefully, you'll find out that Moses' fear was specifically the Israelites the people he was supposed to rescue. like They're not gonna listen to me. I used to suppress, uh, oppress them. What, 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 like, you think I'm the right guy for this job? Interesting stuff, right? Okay, now the next line is the key line in, in understanding more about God. God's response is this. By the way, he ignores Moses' question, but he, goes, he says, I will be with you. I will be with you. Now, why is this so important? It's important because of the Hebrew words for I will be. Yeah, here's another Hebrew word, okay? The word that he says here is the word echwe. Can you say echwe? Yeah, yeah, say ech, like, hach. Like, if if the guy just had garlic, you don't want to be around him when he says echwe, okay? He says, (laughs) sorry, I can't even say it. Ewe imach, that means I will be with you. Okay, echwe, if you don't know what that means, which I assume that you don't know what that means, it means this, I am and will continue to be. Moses is like, I, how am I supposed to go back to these people? I used to be their oppressor. I was unfair to these people. And now I'm coming back with a bigger beard with the sheep and be like, hey, you know, like, what am I supposed to say to these people? And he says, well, let me tell you who I am. I am Echwe, Okay, so that happens in the next verse, take a look. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, well, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Remember, at this point, Moses only knows him as Elohim. You're some spiritual being, I'm not exactly sure who you are, I have a list of attributes that's connected to you, but uh, I don't know who you're, what if I go there, the people I used to oppress, and say, hey, I'm here to rescue you? Who sent you? our ancestors, God? Well, what's his name? Next verse, God said to Moses, Echwe, this way, Echwe. Echwe. And then he continues, This is what you are to say to the Israelites Echwe has sent me to you. Why is this so important? Echwe means, I will always be who I am. Okay, let me contrast that to me, okay? When um, I started dating my wife, girlfriend back then, okay, I was on my best behavior. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yep that's right. Yeah, amen, Ricky, yeah. Okay, like, yeah. I would do my best to put my best foot forward, right, like, I didn't, pro- I probably, I don't know Val. I probably didn't fart until we were married, right? <laughs> uh, right, like, I was on my best behavior, you know, and when bad things happen, I will always be like, mm, we should pray about that, honey. because yeah, that's that's what that's who I am, right? And then we got married and then she saw another side of me. A better side of me. I don't know. <laughs> right. That is not an example as I will be who I am. Cause human beings in general are people who are a certain way in some in some cases, but another way in other cases, maybe even in situations where You're like, man, this is my best high school buddy and we're going to the same college, we're gonna be in the same dorm. And then a few weeks in, like I didn't realize what my friend, like he's such a slob, right? Or he stays up late at night or this person wakes up or he snores too much or whatever, and you realize he's not who I thought he was because there's a good side and a bad side to every single person, right? The name Echwe implies what you just experienced about me, I'm always that. I'd never change. If I've been loyal to your ancestors, count on it, bet on it, you could, you know, I-, I will always be loyal to the end of time. If you think that I'm the kind of God that sees the oppressions and hear the prayers and I'm concerned about the people, I will always be that no matter what the situation is. If you think that I'm the kind of God that cares so much that, and cares even more about how people treat other people, I will never change that about me. That is who I am. What you just saw about me is not just me today, but I will be this way for the rest of time. That's what echwen means. So when, when Moses goes to these people and says, who is the God that sent you, O oh, ex-oppressor Moses, you? He would say, the God of your ancestors who listened to the prayers of Abraham, Jacob, you know, all those people, is the God that has sent me here. The one that never changes. What do you think these people, are like how they reacted? They probably thought, oh my goodness, God was faithful to my ancestors, so that means God is going to be faithful to me today. He's going to be faithful to us 10 years from now. He's going to be faithful to my children's children's children. So here's a summary of what we talked about so far. The one that was with your ancestors, who is still loyal to you, sent me. That's what Moses is saying. Well, that's what God is telling Moses to say to them. Who your ancestors said about our God is still the God that is here today and is here to save you. Now, there's a little twist to this. One more Hebrew word. I promise this is the last one. Okay, let's go next verse. Oh, God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites. Now, he's giving him a script. Like Moses, here's your script. Say to the Israelite, the Lord... The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Now, here is not the word Echwe. Like, whoa. Because it'd be weird if Moses showed up and said, hey, who sent you? He's like, I am who I am sent you, uh, sent me. Like, it sounds weird, right? Or people might mistake Moses as God, right? So when here, when God gives him the script, he changes the word not from the word I am who I am, I will be who I will be to he will be who he will be. Yahweh is a third person noun, pronoun. Ugh, I'm really bad at grammar. Okay, so Yahweh, the word that we often use to say God is he, will be who, he is who he will always be. That's what Yahweh means. Okay, so the question here is what kind of God is Yahweh? Summary, this is who he is. Yahweh is the creator who is always good cares about all people and who they treat one, how they treat one another. He is loyal, will always, because he's never changing, will always attempt to uh, partner with you to bring heaven on earth. This is our God. This is our Elohim. He has a name, Yahweh, and his name indicates that this is who he will always be no matter what. And in case Moses missed this, God clarifies in the next verse, verse 14. This is my name forever. The name you shall call call me from generation to generation. He's like, you can use this name two generations from now and it'll still ring true. Now Moses bought into this message. He believed it so much that he was willing to bet it all on God's character. Because the message that he got from God is this, that you can rely on my unchanging character. He bit his entire life, he bit his family on this character. And in case you're like wondering, like how did he do that? Moses, uprooted from where he was living, took his family, went to Egypt. He's like, I'm counting on the fact that you are a powerful God that is loving and caring. I'm gonna go to Egypt, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. There were some plagues. He pulled over 100,000 people out of slavery, and they walk through the desert. They crossed the Red Sea, and he's like, you see, there's proof. God cares about the oppressed. And he's walking through the desert. And he took him to the same mountain that he saw the burning bush, and he told everybody, wait here. I need to go up there and talk to God about what the next steps are. So he goes up the mountain, and he's up there for several days. And God's up there saying, well, Good job, Moses, for doing what I told you to do and using the script I gave you. Now I'm going to ask you to, um, well, I have some laws I want to give you. Here's the Ten Commandments. He's itching it into the stone. Now, meanwhile, the people at the, down, at the bottom of the mountain are wondering, like, so uh, we haven't seen Mo in a long time. Where is he? Um, what if he's abandoned us? <gasps> and if he abandoned us, maybe God's not with us either. Oh no, what should we do? They looked to Moses' brother Aaron. Aaron, what are we supposed to do? And Aaron's like, well, maybe we could summon God here. How do we do that? Well, let's just you know put our jewelry together and see if we can make a calf, a golden calf. So, now, meanwhile, back at the mountain, God, God is like, okay, here's all your stuff. You got your 10 commandments. You're ready to go back down. And he's like... Thanks, Yahweh. And he's about to turn around and start heading down the mountain when God says, wait, I got one thing to tell you. This is what he says. I have seen these people, referring to the people at the camp, the Lord, Yahweh, said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. And Moses, on his way down, is like, excuse me, what did you just call your people? Now, listen to what Yahweh says here. Now, leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Does that sound like Yahweh to you? Then I will make you into a great nation. Moses, isn't this what you really want, right? I mean, the reason you pulled everybody out is so that you could go and start your own nation with these people. Now, I've noticed there's a lot of stiff people here, so I'll just get rid of them, destroy them, and you and the good guys could go and start your own thing, and Moses is like, that sounds great, but that doesn't seem consistent with who you are. Aren't you supposed to always be the person that, like, the God that you described? You know, like, you're, you will always be who you always be. Isn't that who you are? So, this is what happens. This is a, this is bold, okay? Moses, little teeny guy, going against the mighty Creator of the world, okay? But Moses sought to the favor of the Lord, his God, and he starts by saying, "Lord Yahweh, you will, you said you will always be who you're supposed to be, right? You're not going to change." Why should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and mighty hand? This does not seem like you. I bet everything on your character. I was betting on the fact that it doesn't change, but yet I feel like it's changing. And not only do I recognize that, our enemies, the Egyptians, they might see it the same way. He says, This. He says, Why should the Egyptians say, it was with evil intent that he, this, Yahweh, this Elohim, brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth. Moses is appealing to Yahweh's character. He's saying, I put all my eggs in this one basket, which is you, and now you're telling me that you're not that God? For the first time that I could think of, a human being tells God to... Get back to the way you were. So, take a look at this. Turn from your fierce anger. Relent. Now, the word "relent" in Hebrew is the word "nacham." I told you the last Hebrew word, "nacham," which means to repent. Moses is straight up telling God to repent. I thought it was the other way around. I thought God was supposed to tell us. Re- the word "nacham," repent and relent, means to turn back. Moses is telling God. Go back to the way you were because that was the only reason I went on this, this crazy journey with you. I put, like, I put everything and I bet everything on the fact that you are a good God. So he says, Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. That's not who you are. That is not who I signed up to be on this journey with. And then he says this Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, that's Jacob. To whom you swore by your own self. It's like, have you forgotten who you were with my ancestors? And you said you wouldn't change. Come on, what's wrong? Like, you need to change back to the way you were. Now, if you're asking why is God acting this way, a bunch of scholars have different opinions about this. But we've seen God do this before. Like, he told Abraham to take his only son and go up the mountain and sacrifice. And then right before he did it, God's like, stop. That's not who I am. Don't do that. Like, we don't know why he does these things. Maybe it's to remind us of who we are, who, you know, like, do you remember who I am? Because I'm about to act a separate, uh, different way just to remind you who I'm supposed to be. That could be it. We'll see. Right? Then the Lord, Yahweh, the one that does not change, relented. He repented. He went back to who he was and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Why does Moses have to stand before God and he's like, I know that God could just go and blow me away, right? But he had to muster up the courage. Like he was afraid of going to the Israelites, okay, people, right? But he's like, I'm willing to stand before God and tell him to repent. Why? Because Moses, again, he risked everything on God's character. The deal is off if you're not who you say that who you are. Well, who who is God? Moses, tell us again who, who God is. Well, from the experience that he had with Yahweh at the bush, he knows that Yahweh is a creator who is always good, cares about all people and how they treat one another. He is loyal and will always, always, never changing, attempt to partner with you to bring heaven on earth. That is who God is. So let's go to the verse that we're studying this week, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The God that loves us so much is the God that loves us. He is good. He will hear your cries. He will listen to your prayers. He is always concerned. He cares about the way you treat other people. He cares about justice. This is the God that says, gave up his son so that we will not perish. This is the God that we come together today to worship. Amen? All right, let's pray.